0: What is going on you guys? And welcome back to another video. If you're new here, my name is Brandon. As always, we do have our investing academy, which is that first link in the description below. But today's gonna be a fun video because we're actually gonna be covering two topics. Topic number one is gonna be taking a look at Warren Buffett's updated portfolio. We actually got a comment in from Fernand. Can you please make an updated video? Uh, He said this a couple days ago, and I believe here he meant 2021. Luckily enough, just yesterday, they did post their filings, their regulatory filings, which basically gives us an inside look at the Berkshire Hathaway portfolio. We'll be taking a look at that, looking at any notable changes. And then we are going to be actually addressing another comment that came in regarding Mark Cuban's comment about non-dividend paying stocks and saying that they are nothing more than like trading baseball cards. So we got two really fun Topics I say we dive right in if you do my if you don't mind take a moment to drop a thumbs up as that really does help But taking a look up on the screen We have an up-to-date look at the Berkshire Hathaway portfolio now I know this is not the most beautiful chart by any means We are going to be going over some of the top holdings in a second and as I always get the question Where do we get this data? As I've mentioned before, my favorite source for looking at this is a website called Data Roma. It basically details all the super investors or the big money managers. This gives us an inside look at the exact holdings in terms of weighting, in terms of the shares, and we actually see the recent activity. So what were the changes made over the uh, previous quarter? And we are gonna be, again, touching on that in just a sec. But to take a look up at this pie chart, A very clear top holding has not changed. In fact, it's actually seemed to have grown in size due to the good performance. And that of course is the company Apple. Apple comes in at a weighting of 43.61% currently and is without a doubt clearly the largest investment held by Berkshire Hathaway. Following that in second, we have Bank of America ticker BAC. This represents just over 10% of the Berkshire Hathaway portfolio. Coca-Cola, another longtime hold of Buffett's, sits at the third largest weighting at 8.13%, followed by American Express, followed by Kraft Heinz, and we do have a new one that's bumped up, which is Verizon's Communications. This one sits at 3.19%, and as we'll look at the recent transactions in a second, this was one of the bigger bumps up, bump-ups of the bunch. As we move down this list, we do see the weighting start to ramp off quite significantly. In fact, after the, or beyond the top 15 holdings, The remainder of the positions at Berkshire Hathaway do represent below 1% in terms of a position size. So not too significant in the big scheme of things. We do keep in mind when we talk about Warren Buffett's portfolio, he's not the only one managing money with Berkshire Hathaway. There's actually somewhat of a team in place. They do have kind of discretion over different uh, amounts of dollars. Main takeaway here is that Apple sits at a very large percentage of this company's portfolio. Clearly, it's actually done quite well. Apple's been an all-star in the market and uh, weighting this high really goes to show the conviction. It really goes to show the amount of confidence that Buffett and the team have in a position like this. Again, top five holdings as of today, Apple, Bank of America, Coca-Cola, American Express, and Kraft Heinz. Now let's take a look over to the recent activity as we've seen in the previous quarter, this is Q4 2020. Let's first talk about the notable additions. And I think the first two that clearly popped to mind are over 100% added a piece into the company's Verizon Communications, as well as T-Mobile, ticker TMUS. Again, after this addition, that actually bumped Verizon up to the sixth largest holding. We saw a 30% 34% increase to Kroger. We saw a 28% increase to Merck. 26% to the ticker MMC, Martian McLennan, not familiar with that company myself, 20% to Abvi, as well as Bristol Myers, uh, bumped up by 11%, a pretty clear focus on a couple sectors in the telecom space, as well as the healthcare. You will note that they did actually add to Chevron as well. They bumped that up by 9%. Now in terms of the reductions, well there were some pretty notable reductions and actually complete. Uh, Sell-offs. They actually sold out of a couple couple positions entirely over the past quarter. Starting with the entire position sold, we did have Pfizer being sold out. So selling one healthcare and adding to Bristol Myers Squibb and AbbVie in maybe a bit of a shift there. They did sell out of their gold position, which was the company Barrick Gold, smaller position at that, ticker GOLD, which is the US ticker, and they did sell out pretty significantly from some of their financial holdings. This was another key takeaway. We saw 100% sell of JP Morgan and Chase. We saw PNC Financial sold out of 100% m Bancorp, ticker MTB, this was sold out entirely 100%. And we did have Wells Fargo reduced again for a second straight quarter. This reduction was done by about 58.84%. Along with the banks and healthcare, we did see a reduction as well in SunCore Energy, which is actually the one Canadian stock that Buffett does own. That reduction was made by 27.8%. So That, in my opinion, were some of the more notable changes in the portfolio. Now, personally, for me, as much as I love looking into this and I love keeping track, especially with investors that I idolize, like the Buffets of the world, it is tough to know exactly what the thought process was behind every single one of these positions. And I'd be your guess would be probably as good as mine in terms of speculating on the reasons why if I were to make an assumption here, this is just strictly personal opinion. This does look to me like a pretty typical trim slash rebalance of the portfolio. I did forget to mention one of the uh, key ones. They did reduce Apple by about 6.05%. That said, Apple still makes up nearly half the portfolio. So this could just be some essentially overall strategy rebalancing within the company. It does just look to me like a bit of a sector rotation, clearly selling out of a bit of the financials. And moving that money into the telecoms as well as healthcare and energy kind of just doing a couple swaps for swaps which could simply be taking profits trimming the precision weighting for whatever reason and just reallocating that capital but that really right there guys is the notable updates on warren buffett's portfolio feel free to pause this screen if you want to take a look at all of the holdings you can kind of zoom in and i don't know if you can zoom in on youtube but that's what we're looking at there I think we can now progress on to the second part of our video because this is gonna be a fun one. I could, made, could have made these separate videos, but hey, we'll time in together. I got a comment from Pompeii Academy saying, what do you think about Mark Cuban's take that stocks that don't produce dividends are like baseball cards and their only value is what someone else will pay?
1: What do you actually own when you own a share of stock in Apple, well Apple pays a dividend, in a non-dividend paying share uh, stock? What, what rights do you have as a shareholder when you own a share of a company that doesn't pay a dividend? Do you, if, if that company has a lot of discounted cash flow, you know, are they actually, and they don't pay dividends, and they're not growing, and they're not investing? Maybe they buy some shares of stock back. Maybe they issue more options for, for their executives. But what do you truly own? There was a point in time, you know, back in the day when you owned a share of stock, you felt like you were an owner of the company. Now they have multiple classes of stock. You don't really own anything. You know, what you own is the right to sell it to somebody else.
0: All right. So you're saying the changes in ownership structure, I mean, you're not, you're not no longer a shareholder. You're, you just hold a trading instrument? I mean, that's yeah, sort of a much. dark view of... It's not at it all. I mean. Like if you
1: go back to my blog post from the early two thousands, I said the exact same thing. Right? I haven't changed my position in all these
0: years. So a very interesting take there from Mark Cuban, and this was actually a new one to me. I actually went back and tried to dig up that blog post and we did see this back from this was taken from twenty fifteen. I rarely think the market is right. I believe non-dividend paying stocks are not much aren't much more than baseball cards. They're worth what you can convince someone to pay for them. And as much as I love Mark Cuban, I, I really do, of all the big billionaires out there, this guy to me, Mavericks owner, just a savage shark on Shark Tank. I love the dude, but I cannot stand behind this take or I can't stand behind this theory. And in this video or in this second part of the video, I wanna to explain to you exactly why. And for anybody watching, I don't care what level you are as an investor, if you can understand this concept, it will make you a better investor. We're kind of going to reverse engineer things and re or deconstruct, I should say, this whole idea of dividends and an asset and the income it can produce. And this will ultimately make us a better investor when we're able to understand things on a fundamental level. And I guess for this purpose of this explanation, we can compare, I'm putting myself in his shoes. We can compare an asset such as a baseball card along with a business. And let's start with a hypothetical business, but then we're actually gonna go talk about a real business in just a second. But this baseball card, well, where does this value lie? Let's assume we took a Mike Trout baseball card just to make things juicy. A Mike Trout rookie card trades for about $3.93 million. This was as of August of 2020. So it's not to say that you can't make money with these cards and it's not to say that baseball cards are flimsy and they don't do anything for you. They can be a great investment, but in returns of how you are going to make a return on this asset is that because a baseball card does not produce anything because they don't kick you any income because they don't provide you a dividend or anything of that sort, this baseball card, or you could substitute that with a piece of art, this piece of art, this bar of gold, whatever this non income producing asset is the way that you will make money on this card is if somebody out there is willing to pay more than what you bought it for. And we talked about this theory or concept a couple of videos ago with the greater fool theory. We are talking about Warren Buffett again. And the idea behind the greater fool theory is that I may buy this asset today and I may, I may be a fool, you know, I'm a fool for buying this asset, but I hope there's a greater fool out there more foolish than me, bigger than me that will pay a higher price. And that fool is probably thinking the exact same thing. I hope there's someone else that will pay a higher price. And it's that demand and it's that kind of flywheel or loop that can that can cause the price of a non-producing asset to go up, whether that be a baseball card, whether that be a tulip bulb, whether that be a bar of gold, because at the end of the day, this card does not produce anything. Now let's compare that over to a business and Let's just use a hypothet Let's just use a hypothetical business right now, and then we can talk about a real business and actually explain this. But let's assume my company, or this isn't my company, but let's just say hypothetically, Brandon Beavis investing company. We'll say the ticker here is BBI, and this is my little corporation that we have. Now, let's say this year my corporation did a million dollars in revenue. Again, this is hypothetical here but let's assume that we sold a million dollars worth of products and uh, academy students. We made YouTube ad revenue, et cetera, et cetera. And after paying my expenses, after paying my staff, after paying for my subscriptions and all the costs that I have, let's assume that I was able to generate some excess cash flow or some excess return of $850,000. Okay. Very high margin business here on YouTube, but let's just say we made a $850,000 thousand dollar profit in this calendar year now at this point in our example here we are already starting to see there's already a discrepancy there's already a difference between these two assets actually a very big difference in our case of a baseball card we have nothing has been produced now the value could still go up if there's people out there and there's a lot of demand for this card absolutely but in this case this firm or this corporation or this hypothetical business actually generated eight hundred fifty thousand dollars In profit and whatever way we went about going about that at the end of the day the bottom line is that this company BBI ticker BBI this company whatever we're talking about this company just became eight hundred fifty thousand dollars more valuable now as a company and keep in mind this is the case for any publicly traded company when we have money like that when we have some leftover uh, earnings after paying off our expenses and the basically keeping keeping up with the operations of our business we have a few options as to what we can do with this money. Now, of course, option number one, which is a very clear one, is I can take some of that money and I can pay it to the shareholders as dividends. We can always take, we should know by now, or if you don't, a dividend is a portion of earnings or a portion of profits that we literally kick back to the shareholders. So if you are a shareholder in my business and I earn $850,000, I could give that to some of you. I could kick it out to anybody out there. That's option number one. And that would classify my business as a dividend paying stock. Now, I don't have to pay a dividend if I don't want to. If I wanted to, I could in theory, keep that all within the business. I could retain that and I could go spend that on marketing or I could go acquire another business. I could basically reinvest within my own business. I could actually even carry out a share buyback, which I think Cuban um, touched on there. But that's our third option. If I actually wanted to go out and execute a share buyback and essentially take some shares off the public market. Well, in all three of those cases, no matter how those earnings are delivered to you, that is in theory, a benefit for the shareholders. Okay. Look at it this way. My company just became $850,000 more valuable. If I kick that out to you as a dividend, well, that's great. You just got cash that you can go do whatever you want with that. That's a nice return on your Shares. Well, good. You can go take your cash and do, your, do whatever you want. If I take a portion of that money and I decide I'm not going to pay a dividend, but I'm going to go back and buy a bunch of shares out on the public market, well, it's a simple case of supply and demand. If I'm taking shares off the public market, that actually makes your shares as a shareholder more valuable. If there's less shares outstanding, your shares in theory become more valuable. That's actually a way of seeing your shares increase without actually receiving a dividend. Or of course, if I went back and actually reinvested in the business and you guys believed I could make a good return on my money, on those profits, I can go do whatever I want with it and actually grow the business even more. Well, that should in theory be reflected in the share price, in the capital appreciation. So it doesn't really matter the form of how I distribute these earnings. The reality is, is that my company became $850 more valuable, whereas this baseball card did not produce anything. Now, a question that I kind of was pondering like this was like, I wonder if the, let's assume Mike Trout, as this card is really based and kind of tied to him, I wonder if he goes out and has an amazing season or he does something crazy. I wonder if that actually bumps up the you know intrinsic value of this card. I think you could argue that that's kind of just a side point. But anyways, let's just cut. Let's forget I said that this, this card hasn't really done anything, but my business just became more valuable. Now take a company like Berkshire Hathaway, which is Warren Buffett's company. They don't choose to pay a dividend. That's strictly by choice as they feel they'd rather keep that cash within the business. And we didn't actually touch on their cash position earlier, but I'll pop up uh, an up-to-date number of cash for you guys right now. They are sitting on billions and billions of dollars, as they feel they can keep that and they can earn a better return on that money by going out and acquiring and investing in other businesses than they would as a dividend i took a look and in 2020 alone berkshire hathaway generated 26.9 billion dollars in free cash flow now free cash flow this is where the company can decide whether they want to pay a dividend whether they want to buy back shares they have a lot of flexibility but if they decide to retain that within the company that doesn't just vanish that doesn't just go to thin air that should therefore be reflected in the share price. Investors and analysts out there should realize that, hey, this company just became more valuable. They just generated this money. And if they're not gonna kick it to us out as dividends, that should be reflected in capital appreciation. That's why good companies go up over time. It's the expectation or the anticipation that they're gonna make us a bunch of money, a bunch of earnings, a bunch of free cash flow. at the end of the day. That's really the two metrics that it really comes down to, in my opinion. Take another good example is the company, Amazon they do not pay a dividend currently that said they generated 25 billion dollars of free cash flow 21 billion in net income they could pay a dividend but they are choosing not to so i do really classify these two assets in completely different ballparks you have a baseball card which does nothing and whether the company chooses to pay a dividend or not if a company is earning money or generating something or any asset for that matter, such as a farm as Buffett would say, or a, an apartment building where you're getting renters income. And essentially this value is actually increasing. There are, there are two completely different stories. So to put a blanket statement out, like a non dividend stock is not much more than a baseball card. That is not true. Because again, companies could choose not to pay a dividend if they didn't want to. That's completely by choice by the company. That said, I do totally agree where he's coming from because I think what he's referring to when he says this type of things, in particular stocks like GameStop and all these Reddit-fueled hype stocks, these stocks aren't trading off fundamentals. They're not trading like a company like Walmart would or a company, oh, Walmart's a, a dividend paying stock, but they're not trading off of essentially how much a company can generate for us, at least not reasonably, the fundamentals have been thrown out the door. And at that point, it's just speculation. It's just the greater fool theory. And if that's what he's referring to, I think that's a very, very fair statement. But to say that a non-dividend stock that is earning good money and is choosing not to pay a dividend is much more than a baseball card, that I believe is false. And again, I don't believe knowing Mark Cuban knowing how he does say some goofy things if you kind of look into him and um, I think he's a bit of a goofy guy for a billionaire, but I I think he's super cool at the end of the day I don't think he truly meant that I think what he was talking about was these speculative picks But you definitely just can't make that statement and I think that's really what I wanted to explain in this video Now I'd love to hear your opinions on this because this is just my opinion. I, I could be wrong, right? This is just me looking at this Entire topic, and you will get variants of opinions. You will get people that vouch for gold as an asset. You'll get people that vouch for artwork and um, baseball cards, whatever the case is. Because I guess maybe they see the value there, then they don't with the business. But at the end of the day, I think we need to understand that if a company is able to produce for us, produce earnings, and produce cash flow, it doesn't matter how that's distributed. That's what in theory should be reflected in the share price. That's essentially what we're buying when we go out and buy a stock. Right, it's not just a ticker, it's not just a quote. But with many stocks, it is. Many people approach it kind of like with this baseball card trading mentality, which I think is a very fair statement to make on his part. But hey, that's really my uh, thoughts for this video. I'd love to hear your opinions down below. Whether you agree, whether you disagree, whether I'm wrong, whether I'm right, just let me know. You can leave a comment down below. If you did enjoy this video and if you learned something new take a moment to drop a big thumbs up. That helps out so much with the channel. It's completely free to do. And um, yeah, I would really, really appreciate that. If you are by chance new to the channel, we post videos like this every single week. This is like a two-in-one video. We just combine, just cause. But usually we just talk about a single topic per video. But hey, this should, I had fun doing this. I hope you guys enjoyed. So Leave a thumbs up, subscribe, hit the bell for notifications. And as always, we do have our investing academy. If you are a Canadian, Canadians only that are looking for training in the stock market, you wanna do it all online, you wanna become a better investor, click that first link down below. You can learn all about that. But as always, I thank you guys for watching. Wait, I actually gotta show you guys something. Before. before we finish up here. I got some new pieces. I got some new, I got some new art for the for the set. This was a gift for me from uh, my girlfriend. She got it for me for my for hitting 100K, it's a very nice piece of, these are pretty serious, uh, pretty heavy. And um, I don't know where I'm gonna put them, but I love them. They are so, so cool. It came all the way from Ukraine and it took months, but they're here. So anyways, that's it for today's video, guys. Hope you enjoyed. Thanks for sticking around if you did make it this far. Really appreciate everyone that watches the videos all the way through. But as always, uh, thank you guys for watching and I'll see you in the next video.